Hello everyone, and welcome to our Irwin Review Regional Roundtable Series, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the largest network of labor and employment lawyers from our best law firms around the globe. My name is Nuno Gouveia, partner with Miranda Alliance Miranda Associates. The DLA Global Employment Law Irwin Review Series is classically our most popular series of the year, focusing on the most impactful regulations of past year and forecasting what employers can expect in the current year. Well, today, we are connecting with an ELA member firm from our Africa and Middle East region. Joining us on the program is Sonal Teshpal, partner with Anjawal and Kana LLP in Kenya. Sonal, welcome. Thank you for joining us for this special Union Review podcast. How are you doing today? Great, Nuno. Thank you so much. It's good to be here. Great. Sonal, well, I'm very excited for this session. So I have here a set of questions to you, and I'm quite curious to see what is the position of Kenya. So as a first question to you, Sonal, what were the most significant legal changes in 2022 in Kenya that impacted employers in your country? So I think in 2022, we had an amendment to the Employment Act, which significantly impacts the way recruiters conduct background checks on prospective employees. So it was common here for a recruiter to request a prospective employee for clearances like social security and tax before even determining whether they were going to make an offer to them. And getting those clearances actually come at a cost. So Parliament recognised that and now the law was changed so that those clearances can only be asked for if there's an actual intention to make an offer of a contract of service. The other change that happened last year was in the healthcare space. We have a national state-run health insurance fund where all employers are required to contribute for their employees. And that applied even where an employer had private health insurance for their staff. So the new amendment there, which is welcome, is that private employees can seek an exemption from matching their employee contributions to that state-run fund. Last year, we also saw some significant developments in the data protection and privacy space, and some of those impact employment matters. So, for example, we have regulations that were effective last July that mandate the registration of data processors and data controllers, which would obviously apply to most employers. Now, those regulations exempt certain data processors and controllers, but the exemption is quite small. So if you are a small firm with less than 10 employees, or you have a turnover of less than the equivalent of about $100,000, then you may be exempted. We also have seen a number of developments in relation to the implementation of the rules around data protection and privacy infringements. So we've had our very first rulings, which included a ruling by the High Court that essentially said that data subjects must first exhaust their legal remedies that are set out in our data protection law before they can go to court. 
And so what that means is that if anyone has a complaint, they must first make those complaints to the Data Protection Commissioner and only go to court if they're not satisfied with the commissioner's process or determination. There have been a number of decisions that have been meted out by the Data Protection Commissioner. One includes a law firm that complained about the law firm's employees for allegedly leaking their clients' confidential information, including personal data. There was also an enforcement decision that was made against one of the largest private hospitals in Kenya following a complaint by a patient that one of the hospital's staff members had contacted the patient inappropriately and the data commission issued its first fine to that entity. So the message that we're getting from the Data Protection Commissioner's Office is that she is aggressively exercising her mandate and our advice to employees and employers is to be cautious and make sure that, you know, particularly employers do not contravene the law. Training staff on legal requirements and restrictions is, I think, a key part of that responsibility. Uh, Lastly, as far as developments are concerned, is a case that was determined by the Employment Court last year relating to the validity of certain sections of our National Social Security Fund Act. What's interesting about that is that on the 3rd of February of this year, that decision was nullified. And what that means is an extra financial burden on employers since they're going to have to make significantly more contributions on behalf of their employees to the National Social Security Fund. Already in the last few days, the fund has announced that it's immediately increasing the monthly contribution requirement. And so this is gaining a lot of heat, as it were, in the national press and the media. Well, so now very big news from Kenya during 2022. Going further, let's talk for a moment about the impact of changes in leadership or in government, meaning what leadership or government changes impacted employment law in Kenya over the past year? And what changes are you anticipating in 2023? Yeah, that's an interesting question for this part of the world because presidential elections here always take up so much bandwidth from a socio-economic perspective as well as the general political activity that the country goes through. The elections were held in August of last year. And on the whole, there was a peaceful transfer of power to a new administration. So given the height of political activity that we saw last year in the lead up to the elections, we expect political activity to be significantly slower this year. However, as with every government change, new leaders are appointed to lead ministries, state corporations and public bodies. And that's really the phase we're in today. From the pronouncements of the government, both before and after elections, we think its key priorities as far as employment matters are concerned is the development of universal health care cover, as well as a significant increase in the 
social security contributions, which, as you just asked me about, has actually happened as a result of the court case I mentioned. Well, I'm going to pass now to the topic of remote work, meaning it is still a hot topic for employers across the globe. So my question to you is, how is Kenny addressing hybrid work, work from home, return to the office, cross-border remote work? Meaning, do you have any work from anywhere, legislation, programs, what you can talk us about this topic? So since the onset of COVID-19 in 2020, we saw significant changes, obviously, in the working environment for white-collar jobs. It's important to note that we didn't actually have lockdowns in the country. We had curfews. But that said, government guidelines encouraged employers to allow workers to work from home where possible. So these were expected to be a temporary measure. But for many organizations, they have become the norm. So I think, for example, the big four firms like PwC and Deloitte are now allowing their employees to continue to work from home permanently, even though we don't really talk about COVID on a day-to-day basis anymore. In our firm, for instance, we also have a hybrid system for our senior members of staff, and we allow them to work from home for two days a week. That said, increasingly, we are requiring people to work in the office more because we find that working on transactions in teams is better in person than virtual. But what this does show are the gaps. And I think organizations are considering a number of questions where the current legal framework doesn't actually help us. So, for example, if we're asked, can an employer be liable for injuries sustained by an employee who is working remotely? That's actually not altogether clear. What injuries can be classified as work injuries? And to what extent is an employer liable if injuries are sustained at an employee's home whilst working remotely? Our law doesn't extend to those sorts of questions. I think in Mauritius, the law has taken a step to address this by requiring remote workers to notify employers of their offsite workstations and also giving the employer access to assess the suitability of the workstation to ensure that the performance of work doesn't pose a threat to the employee or their family. So I think that's the kind of gap that we need to fill in Kenya. We don't, for instance, have any laws around whether employers have a duty to provide employees with any tools and equipment, such as a proper desk and chair and internet connection if they're working from home. A particularly interesting question has arisen, and I don't think it's because of COVID, but it's interesting as a result of, I think, the perception that employees can be tasked to do work at odd hours. And this is as a result of a draft law that has come to our attention. It's a proposal at the moment that has been introduced by a senator And it's the right for workers to disconnect so that they cannot be contacted by their employers after working hours. There is an exception to this, and that's where there's an emergency. 
arising out of work that falls within an employee's responsibility. However, it's not at all clear what constitutes an emergency. Now, this is the second time in a year that this bill has come to our attention. Last year, there was a similar bill, but I think because of the general elections, it lapsed and it's come back to the drawing board again. The first time it drew a lot of criticism, as you can imagine, from the likes of the Federation of Kenya Employers, the Ministry of Labour, and people like ourselves. But we now need to deal with this particular bill to see what happens to that. I think similar arguments have been raised that the legislation could scare away foreign investors, but that's something that hopefully we will know more about in the coming weeks and months ahead. Very interesting and very insightful, Sonal, on this topic. My final question to you, Sonal, is what are your predictions for 2023 regarding employment law updates or changes? Meaning, what do you anticipate will have the biggest impact on HR and on employers in Kenya for this coming year? Okay, so I think the most impactful changes will revolve around this right to disconnect after working hours, which I just mentioned. I think it's going to be very difficult for an employee to enforce a breach of that right in courts without ruining a relationship with an employer. So I think that's going to be a big one. And given the state of our economy and the financial predicaments that the country is in because of a weak currency, inflation, huge debt burden, etc., I think having a job is actually going to be more important than employers deciding not to employ because of these kinds of provisions. Another big change I think that we will see and hear more of is in relation to the Unemployment Insurance Authority Bill, which has been brought before Parliament. The bill seeks to create an unemployment insurance fund, which will provide benefits to unemployed persons. The fund would be funded by government, contributions by employers, donations and grants, etc. Now, even though the Act has a noble purpose, It's quite frankly difficult to see how it can be implemented in the near future, considering our current economic climate. I think we have a long way to go before we can provide these kinds of benefits to our population. And I think there are other issues that could be addressed that could benefit the population. And here I'm talking about the issue of part-time working and corresponding benefits. We actually realized during the pandemic that there is a gap in the law. Our laws are drafted on the basis that everyone is part-time and working for one employer. So we actually don't deal with the issue of part-time working or part-time benefits or outsourcing, which is also gaining popularity. So I think if I was making any predictions, Nuno, that would be where I would put my focus for the year ahead. Well, many thanks, Sonal. Very big news from Kenya and very relevant predictions for 2023. Well, this is all the time that we have for today. Sonal, thank you for sharing your insights with us about Kenya on this special ELA Ear Interview podcast. It was a pleasure speaking with you. My pleasure, Nuno. Always good to talk to you.
And thank you, listeners, for tuning in. I hope this program has been as insightful for you as it has been for me. If you'd like to connect with Sonal, please click on their bio in the description of this podcast. We also encourage you to reach out to any of our lawyers around the world by selecting Find a Lawyer on the ELA website at ELA.law. Information about all the programs available in the 2023 e Review series can be accessed in the notes of this podcast. You've been listening to the Erin Review Regional Roundtable, a series brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from our best law firms around the globe. I'm Nun Gouveia. Thanks for listening.